Good morning. Uh, so happy to be with you today. You know, as we are continuing our Scripture Talk series, Invited, this is our series called Invited, Inviting to a New Way of Living. And, you know, we've talked about it, and Pastor Dave's mentioned it, but this new way of living, what, what is it that uh, Paul calls us to? He calls us to really follow this narrow way of following Jesus. And so we're going to look at that today in, in terms of why we're invited to worship and esteem and to follow Jesus. And our passage to ponder that we've, uh, uh, we've reiterated these last few weeks comes from Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. And Paul says this, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. Right? Set your, where your affections are, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Just focus on kind of what is um, even greater and what is eternal versus what's temporary. Not that we ignore the earthly things, but that um, we have a big focus on the eternal. And then Paul goes on to say, he says, for you died. That's pretty, pretty jarring hearing the words for you died. He said, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. There's so much there. That's a sermon in and of itself. And, you know, we're looking at the book of Colossians. And, um, you know, as we get into this topic of, of esteeming and following Jesus today, I don't know about you, but for me, it's very hard to watch the news lately. Um, the news is... Um, most of the time, seemingly bad news. And, you know, it for my own mental health and for my well-being, um, I kind of limit my news intake. It doesn't mean I, I want to be uninformed. I want to be informed, of course, but I don't want to maybe consume it so much because it does, um, it's quite concerning, actually. There's a lot of things that are wrong in this world, and it kind of works to heighten uh, my fears and my anxieties, I would say. So I consume when I can, but then I also try to focus on other things. And, uh, you know, Paul's going to talk a little bit about that. Paul, he's writing this book, uh, this letter to the Colossians. This is the Christian community um, in Colossae. And his whole intention is to strengthen their faith and their conduct, right? So what they believe and what they do in light of their belief. He's writing to this church and he's hearing about kind of their temptation to worship angels and the supernatural. And um, it's this culture that's really immersed kind of in the curiosity and knowledge of the supernatural, like astrology and those sorts of things. And Paul, he says, there's so many things that can take your attention, right? There's so many things that kind of call for you to focus on them. And in that, in that culture of Colossae, a lot of it was this, the supernatural powers. But he says, um, don't focus too much on those things. He says, focus on Jesus much more than anything else, because that's what's going to kind of hold you during your culture. And I think there's a lot for us to learn today. So we're going to look at some reasons why we are called to worship and to follow Jesus. And this is from Colossians chapter one. We're still in chapter one as we work through this series. And we're going to look at verses 15 to 23. There's a lot of verses in here, and each of them are very, very um, meaningful. So we're going to do as much as we can in the time that we have. We're going to look in and break them up into some, some uh, sizable, digestible components. So 
Um, in verse 15 through uh, verse 15 through the first part of 18, it says this: Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You can even pause right there. If you want to know what God is like, um, this God that we can't see, you can know what God is like in the person of Jesus and Jesus's um, life, his ministry, um, his whole character shows us who God is. And that's shown in the gospel. So we can actually get to have an idea of who God is. So, so again, from verse 15, Paul says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That is, is mind-blowing. He says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. See, Paul is addressing this, the Christian community in Colossae to say, hey, even these things that you have this big interest in, Christ is above them. He actually made the visible things and the invisible things of the unseen world. Then Paul says, everything was created through him and for him. He existed, this is Jesus, before anything else, and he holds all creation together. That is a mind-blowing um, sentence here. Jesus, he's the author of creation. He's also the sustainer of creation. Everything coheres in Christ, and every molecule, every atom is preserved by Jesus. He made it all that we can see and all we can't, and he also sustains it. And then in the first part of verse 18, Paul says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. So Christ is over, his supremacy is over every single thing created. And he's the head of the church. The church represents Christ's body. And so we're going to look a little bit about creation as Paul was saying this. And we look at it and what, what do we see? If we look at the gospel writer, John, this is... Um, a contemporary of Paul, and he was one of Jesus' disciple friends. He followed Jesus. He was right beside him, and he witnessed his ministry and wrote um, his gospel account, which we're going to talk about the gospel. The gospel is a good news or a good message. So John, the gospel writer who has had a close view of Jesus and was there with him, this is how John begins his gospel letter. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. He's talking about Jesus. He said, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. John right here, he is um, agreeing with Paul's sentiments in Colossians, and uh, Paul is agreeing with his sentiments. And, you know, John, he, he echoes what Paul says. He says that Jesus created everything. He's the author of creation. And he references the beginning. So what is the beginning? This is the beginning of all time, beginning of all existence. This is before anything ever was how it started. So John says this, and of course it reminds us, for the people who are familiar with the Bible, it reminds us of Genesis, right, which is the beginning. And if you look at Genesis chapter 1, the very first um, couple of verses, the very first verses tells us how the beginning was created. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So in this Genesis creation account, um, we come to find through the words of 
Paul and Colossians and through the gospel writer John, that it is Jesus. God the Father is actually creating everything that ever was through Jesus Christ. But we find out before anything ever existed, there was darkness over the face of the deep. You know, it might be hard for you to imagine a world without light, right? Because we are um, forever in light, it seems. There's always some sort of light, even in our very dark rooms. Um, but a world without light is not something you're accustomed to. But before everything, before everything existed, that's what the universe was like. It was dark. And it says that creation was formless and empty. And, you know, this is kind of like a little picture of what the world is like without God. Uh, the world is a neutral without God. <laughs> without God, it is this vast, desolate place. And it's really miserable. There is nothing good about it. And it's kind of pictured of like this surge of like water almost. We'll talk a little bit about water and what that means. But it's just this picture of nothing good present existing. And we do see though that God, he creates. And how does he create? Well, he creates with his word. And this is really, really um, quite something. Just a, a few verses later in Genesis uh, or the next verse, in verse 3, actually, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So all of a sudden, darkness is there, and light is just interjected. And God saw that the light was good. And it says, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This is the first creative act. And this is really Jesus speaking. Jesus says the word, God the Father speaking through Jesus. And he is creating and he sees that the world is dark and it needs light. And this is kind of our human context, isn't it? As I was talking about the news before, you know, there is so much chaos in the world and there is a lot of darkness. Um, we can feel it. Like we live in this time where there's just violence. There's violence in our community here in the Durham region. There's violence on a global context all over the world. There's so much relational turmoil and anxiety and stress. There are, of course, viruses and illnesses that kind of limit our bodies and they can take our life. There's worries like inflation and, um, you know, war and oppressive regimes and, and, and harmful weather patterns. There are so many worries. And this is kind of like this picture that the world can feel very, very dark at times. But we're encouraged with this. The God who created all the atoms and molecules, molecules and everything that we can see and not see, just one word from God and goodness appears. Light is interjected into the darkness and it dispels it. But it's very interesting that as he does this, not all the darkness disappears. Um, Lisa, Harper, Lisa Sharon Harper, she wrote this book called The Very Good Gospel. It's a, it's a great book. I've really enjoyed reading this past week. And she says this, it's important to note that God does not obliterate the darkness. Rather, God names it and limits it. He puts boundaries on it. That's amazing. God, who has, is so powerful that he can just speak a word and all of a sudden um, darkness can disappear, light can be interjected, doesn't actually ob obliterate the darkness in its entirety. He instead says he limits it. At least Harper says he, she, he limits it. And what uh, Jesus here is doing is um, saying that, you know what? He is God over the chaos, the chaos of our lives. 
He actually doesn't allow darkness to consume every aspect of this world, but he does keep it there. It almost gives us this picture of um, Job. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know um, the story of Job. And it's one of these stories that are really, you know, we can really grapple with. But Job has all these horrible things happen to him. And yet God doesn't allow his life to be taken during this whole situation. He actually limits what can be done. And that's what we're seeing. God's not allowing evil to consume the world, even though it can feel like it. Um, so as, as we go forth, though, we get this other picture of one of the other creative things. God, he first, um, through Jesus, he creates light into the darkness. But the second thing he does is he separates the waters. And as he separates the waters, we get this little picture as well. And in verse 9 of Genesis, it says this. And God said again, he speaks, Let the water under the sky uh, be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Um, again, the you know, God speaks and all of a sudden the waters are separated. There's a limit. There becomes dry ground. They can only go so far. And it's really this picture because in the ancient world, the seas, they are just this fearful thing. Um, the seas, though, it kind of represents the biggest fear that we can imagine. You have to think for the ancient world, all they very, all they really knew of the seas was that there were probably what they would call monsters, sea monsters in there, right? These gigantic mammals and predators in there that just evoke this danger. And of course, the water itself was just very, very dangerous. But did you know that today, even with our modern technology, this is from National Geographic, more than 80% of the ocean has never been mapped, explored, or ever seen by humans. More than 80% still unseen. So imagine what it was like then. It was approaching you know, almost this maximum capacity of being unseen. And now, you know, some of the technology that we have, we know that the oceans contain these towering mountain ranges and these deep canyons, um, and they're called trenches, just like the ones on land. And it's interesting because at the peak of Mount Everest, that's the tallest mountain in the world, the peak of Mount Everest, it wouldn't even break the surface of the water if it was in the Pacific Ocean's marina trench, um, or if it was in the Philip, uh, the uh, Philippine Trench. So even the tallest mountain peak in certain parts of the ocean wouldn't even break the surface. That is amazing to see how deep and vast and wide the ocean really is. So, you know, back to our original writers and our original hearers here, you know, this ancient world, it represents the fear of the unknown. What we find that Jesus is able to even take the fear of the unknown and limit it. You know, all those things, all those dangers that are in there. Um, God, he's over the scariest thing. And this is Jesus. Jesus is over the scariest thing that you can imagine. Your biggest fear, God is over it. And Jesus actually here, it says that God called those things good. Even these things that are scary, that are terrifying in our lives, the things like the fear of death, that fear of death can actually be a good thing if it drives us to dependence on God. Right? So even the sea, the, the, the ocean representing the, the scariest thing that we can imagine, it can be a good thing if it drives us to depend on Jesus. So Jesus, he's, he's Lord over the chaos, right? That's one reason that we're invited to worship and to follow him. But we also find out he's Lord of recreation. Um, and we look at the second part of verse 18 um, through verse 20, 
here in, in, in Colossians. And Paul continues, he says, he is the beginning, right? As we know, Jesus was there at the beginning with God. He created things in the beginning. He says, Paul says, he is the, he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. God is actually, Jesus is actually, um, he's, he's over even the, the, the ones who will rise from the dead in the resurrection. It says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is a good way to, to remind us that we will be celebrating communion right at the end of the message. But Paul here is saying Jesus is supreme over all of all things. He's the first one to rise from the dead. Jesus' life his death on the cross and his subsequent resurrection from the dead means he's actually recreating the world. Jesus is in the process of making things right and good. And so because of Jesus's death and his resurrection, all who believe in him, we actually enter into this new reality. We become a new creation, which we'll hear about later in the series. But, you know, we, we enter into this new reality where now we have hope and we have this vision for the future and what it can be like. In here too, Paul also says the fullness of God, all of God's character, his love, his justice, his mercy, his holiness, everything is represented in Jesus. And it's just the abundance of God is all represented in the person of Jesus. And just as we talked about just, uh, just earlier, in the beginning, God didn't remove all of the chaos. Rather, he limited it. And it shows that even in our lives, he can limit the things that are around us. It won't allow us, all of us to consume the world. Evil and darkness won't consume the world. But this gives us the picture that God is recreating the world. And in Revelation, we go from the very beginning to the end of the Bible. In Revelation, we get this picture that in the recreation of the world, it looks like there is chaos no more. It's not just limited, it's, it's obliterated. In Revelation 21.1, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Do you see what, what's happening there? In the beginning, the seas were there, and they were limited. The biggest fears that um, humans could imagine, it was limited, but it was still present. And in the end, when the world is recreated and time, as we know, it has ended and now eternity begins, the seas are no more. There, there are still waters in heaven because there's rivers, but, and that's a different topic for another day. But the seas are no more. Our biggest fears no longer exist. And also in Revelation 22, 5, it says, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. There's also no more darkness. The darkness of the world, the chaos of the world, it is no longer present. Our fears and the darkness of the world is no longer there. We will be illuminated just by the presence of Jesus there. That is really, really amazing. God's in the process of recreating the world through Jesus. The day of shalom, which is just peace and wholeness and well-being in the absence of conflict, the day of shalom and the day of peace are existent, but that means the day of chaos is no more. That's what we can look forward to with what we're going through today. But then third, and this is just our last point here, all of these things, the fact that God is over the, our fears and over the chaos, the fact that he will recreate everything in the end, what does that mean for us right now? What's something that we can do right now? 
it means, as, as I mentioned, that we enter into a new reality and it's good news. So let's look at how Paul closes this section of, of Colossians. He says, after um, Jesus reconciled everything in uh, reconciled everything to himself in creation, he says, this includes you. This includes you and I and, and the um, persons at Colossians who he first wrote to. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. It's amazing. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. This is amazing. Reconciliation here, you know, this is a, this is a big deal in Canada right now. And, you know, from a, from a governmental standpoint and a social one, there, we're, we're entering into this phase and searching for, towards reconciliation to our Indigenous community. And um, on a government website, it says this. It says, you can learn how the government of Canada is working to advance reconciliation and renew the relationship with Indigenous peoples. Right? It's named certain ways they can do that based on recognition of rights, respect, cooperation, partnership. I think that's a really great starting point. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take um, some really intentional actions, but I think that's a really good starting point. But reconciliation, this whole idea, it's about going from one state to another vastly different state, which is much better, right? And in Colossians here, we realize it. Our previous state with God was that we were far from him. In verse 21, it says this, but now it says we've been brought into his presence. It says that we were his enemies, but now we have peace with God and we can stand um, before him without a fault. It says we were separated by our evil thoughts, but now we're holy and blameless and near to him. Jesus, you know, he went into the situation. He came into the world, the incarnation of Jesus, where God himself took on flesh and came to live among us. He caused reconciliation. And to be a peacemaker is an immensely difficult job. Uh, Jesus said, you know, at one point in a certain amount, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. To make peace is really to get into the mess and to do your best. It's an immensely difficult job, but that's what Jesus did. Paul says that you can stand in God's presence blameless without a single fault because of what Jesus did. Isn't that amazing? I mean, even the people who love you the most, they can point out some of your faults. God says, God is saying here that through Jesus, he doesn't see any fault in you anymore. You have nothing to be worried about. He doesn't find anything wrong with you. Can you imagine that? So, this thing that separated us before, it was sin, right? Sin is kind of anything, it has this idea of missing the mark, but really it's anything that separates us from God and from other people. And, you know, um, Paul here, he says to that, he says, you know, you must continue to believe this truth. Everything that he's told you, you got to stand firmly in it. But this whole idea of belief is the fact that it means really to persevere in the faith. It's the implication that, our belief will be shown in our actions. And, and how do we show our actions? It's hard to show our actions against a God whom we can't see. But what we can do is to show our actions with the people who are made in God's image who we can see. So Paul says, a firm belief is shown in your actions. So the way we act towards other people 
is the way that we view and we see God. That's how we would act towards him, a God who we can't see. So in Philippians 2, let me just end with this as we're going to show it. Paul, he shows that if you want to live a life worthy of the gospel, he, he, he says, you know, this is what it looks like to live a life worthy of the gospel. He says to this, and he says this primarily to the church. He says, if you agree wholeheartedly with each other, you love each other, and you work together with one mind and one purpose, that is a life worthy of the gospel. That is actually, sounds really good on paper, and it's one of the hardest things to do. We live in a world of just constant division. Our culture is very divided, very angry with each other. And Paul says, here, if you want to show that you've actually received the gospel, the good news, then you should actually love each other, work together with one mind and one purpose. This is, he actually goes on. He says, here's another way it looks, here's another way uh, a life worthy of the gospel looks like. He says, if you really want to stand out in this culture, and he gives this image of, again, of stars sta uh, standing out in the darkness, right? Light illuminating the darkness where you get, you're visible and you're known and you're apparent. And not in like this, um, like an influencer way, but just in the fact that, wow, you're really distinct from the culture. Paul says, you should do everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> everything without complaining and arguing. Do you know, for the ones who are listening to this who follow Jesus, do you know that the way that we conduct ourselves online and the way that we conduct ourselves in person towards other people, they really, it reflects on the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We have in this culture, this us versus them mentality. We're so quick to otherize the person, meaning just to put them into this category. But Paul says, if we just live humbly, if we live full of love, and we're not just consumed by the vitriol and the complaint. Um, if we identify with Jesus more than we identify with any other group, politically, socially, ethnically, your family, anything, if you identify Jesus more and you work towards his mission, we will be humble enough and we'll actually stand out like stars in the darkness. So the good news is this. The good news is that the kingdom of God is here already. And it's coming, right? The kingdom of God has, you see all these great, beautiful things in the world while still being very aware that darkness and, um, and that the chaos is still happening around us. But it's coming. And it's coming to a point where it will be fully realized, the kingdom of God. And it'll, and, but the world should get a glimpse of what the kingdom of God can be like in our churches. So we should be striving to live a life that's worthy of the gospel. We should strive to be in one mind, filled with humility and to love others, not to categorize them that drives people apart from God, right? Not to cause sin, because that's what sin does. It drives people apart from God and apart from each other. But thanks be to God that we can actually celebrate our nearness to God now because of what Jesus did. So that's what we're gonna do in communion. So, you know, we're gonna do that now. And so for moms, dads, caregivers, if you have young ones around you that are watching this right now, uh, you can make the decision. Uh, and if you're learning what it means to follow Jesus, this is um, what Jesus told us to do in remembrance of him. So we wanna place Jesus in high regard. We have been taught by Colossians today that we are invited to worship him and to esteem him and to follow him with our lives. And so we're going to celebrate that if you have a, a wafer, a cookie, a cracker, something like that, and you have a cup, um, you can take it now. And we can just um, begin by this. Heavenly Father, you know, with high regard, we thank you, Lord, for the fact that you have moved us 
into reconciliation with you, Lord, that we were once far from you, it says, but now we're actually near to you. And Jesus, we thank you that um, in Colossians, it says, if we, if we just trust in you, Lord, if we trust in you and we believe you, you'll actually view us without a single fault. And that is amazing because we know we are, we have faults, but Lord, you don't see them anymore. So Jesus, in remembrance of you, we take this wafer, this cookie or cracker, and we, we eat it in remembrance of your body broken for us. And likewise, Jesus, we remember your sacrifice on the cross, your sacrifice that made a way for us. And Jesus, we know that you shed your blood and it was the process of going to the cross on our behalf to create a new world, Lord, a new world in which there is no more darkness. There is no more chaos, Lord. Our fears are not there anymore to create a new world in which even death, even though we die, Lord, we will live again. And that's what you did. You shed your blood on the cross and you came back to life. And now we have this immense hope and we can enter into a new reality. So Lord, help us not to take that for granted. Lord, lead us to not separate ourselves from other people, not to sin against people, not to sin against you, Lord. Um, and Lord, when we do do that, we just repent and, and we ask that you even lessen the damage done that we, that we have caused. But we pray for our world, Lord, and we know that you are reconciling all things to yourself. And we just pray more and more people um, will accept your invitation. So with high regard for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we now take a drink in remembrance of what you did for us. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done and everything you will do. And we ask that by your spirit, we follow you more to reflect in our churches and our communities. And we say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>